Hi there, it's Kathleen here, and welcome to The Gathering, bringing God into everyday life. Let me encourage you to not just listen, but partner with God and practice what He speaks to you. You can access more information about me, my newspaper articles, upcoming events, contact me, or purchase my book, Thriving Through Seasons of Grief, on my website at www.kathleenmaxwellramby.com. This podcast is now in 28 countries, and people have donated so that you can listen free. Will you consider paying it forward for someone else by giving a one-time or monthly gift? Simply click the button that says Become a Patron or Patronage at the top of the podcast. And don't forget to click the like or follow, and you'll be the first to know when new episodes are released. Enjoy the podcast. So today's lesson is called handling life's crisis and how do we overcome when there is a crisis in our lives um so i want to ask you a couple of questions just to get you thinking right here do you need to succeed in dealing with a problem a difficulty right now or an adversity and do you know that you have a god-given right to overcome in your situation I think that's what God wants us to dive into and discover today. And so I want to have you write down, I'm not going to take these up, and you can write it in code if you're sitting next to somebody and don't want somebody to see, but I want you to write down what is your crisis right now. And that can be something little or it can be something big. It can be you can't pay a bill, um, maybe you're a single mom dealing with situations, you've got a sickness. Maybe you've got marriage problems going on, uh, lost a job, or dealing with a loss, just lost someone you love, or a family member, or a friend. Maybe there's conflict within your family, or um, you've got work issues, caregiving challenges, someone lied about you. Maybe your children have made wrong choices or your marriage has fallen apart. Write your current crisis down. I'm going to just give you a minute to think about different things. And now I want to ask you another question. What is your perspective of your crisis? Your perspective is how you view something, how you see it. And our perspective is our perception. It's how we interpret something, how we interpret it. So number one in your notes, the big key in a crisis is seeing it from God's perspective. God's perspective is what you fill in in that blank in your notes. And why? Why is that important that we see it from God's perspective? Because we have a limited viewpoint here on earth. He sees the bigger picture. We have a more limited viewpoint. And this is found in Isaiah 55. Isaiah 55, verse 8 and 9 tells us 
For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. Right there, the Lord is just saying, you know, I know you, I made you, I know you have thoughts, but your thoughts aren't always in line with my thoughts. And then it goes on in verse 9, Isaiah 55, verse 9. It says, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. God is not up there in heaven wringing his hands saying, oh my gosh, can't believe what Kathleen got herself into. Oh my word, I had no idea this was going to happen. What are we going to do, Jesus? I don't know, Holy Spirit, you got an idea? He's not up there saying those things. He's got a perspective. He sees the bigger picture. Many times when we encounter a crisis, we go into our human default panic mode, and yet the Lord's saying, come to me, seek me. I want to help you see this from a different perspective. And so one of my favorite prayers, and I pray this frequently, at least several times a week, <laughs> um, God, give me your perception of this situation. Give me your perception of my life. God, how do you see this? How do you see this? And, you know, I remember one of the first times this hit was when my late husband got cancer and I just chatted. One day I was talking to the Lord and I was like, you know, Lord, I see Joe in a win-win, but I don't see me in a win-win situation. Either you heal him and he goes to heaven. I mean, you, it, it, you know, the ultimate healing or, you know, if you, if, in, I mean, if, if you heal him, we'll have this fabulous testimony. If not, he'll go to heaven and be with you. But he's in a win-win situation. I don't think I'm in a win-win situation. That's just, I was being God honest about my feelings. And that's when God spoke to me. But I was asking God, how do you see this? Because I know you love me and I know you're good. And I just felt like the Lord said, I'll either heal Joe or I'll heal your broken heart. And that's what I had to cling to. But do you see how I needed to get God's perception? Otherwise, I would have been a frazzled wreck for the nine months that he battled. You have a God-given right to overcome in your crisis. And I can't tell you why I've battled and had some of the adversity that I've had in my life. But I do know God loves me. I do know he's faithful. And I do know he's with me. And sometimes that's all we can hang on to. I really struggled with the why question when my mom got sick. Why my mom? Why now? My mom was actually my age now when she got sick, which that's young. I'm just telling you. <laughs> that's young. I still look and I have a lot of life to live. Um, but it really rocked my boat when my mother got sick. And one of the things I've learned is when we focus on the why question, and this is number two, when we focus on why in a crisis, don't focus on why, focus on what. 
And what I mean by that is, God, what do you want to work in me? And what do you want to work out of me? That's the best question. Because even Jesus hung on the cross and asked his father, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Many times in our crisis, in our battle, in our life, we can feel like God's forsaken me. And do you know that Jesus hung on that cross and God didn't answer him? And when I realized that one day, it actually brought peace to me because it was like the Lord saying, I didn't even answer my own son. Why didn't God answer his own son? I don't know. We'll have to ask him when we get to heaven. <laughs> They're just things we're not going to understand this side of eternity. And I think the quicker that we embrace that, the more that we're going to have peace in our life and the more that we're going to have an understanding of who God wants to be for us. You know, why were Peter and Paul thrown into prison? Why was Jonah swallowed by a whale? You know, why did Job lose all of his family and all of his money? But what I do know is God redeemed each one of those situations in some form or fashion. It just may not have been how they pictured or they thought it should have been. Number three in your notes. What we perceive as a crisis, God sees as an opportunity. Opportunity is what you fill in in that blank. Romans 8.28 tells us this. Romans 8.28 says, For we know all things work together for good for those that love the Lord. We know all things work together for good for those that love the Lord. And that's a scripture I've hung on to many times in my life because it's like, I don't see how you can work any good out of this situation. Lord, I don't see how, how you could. But God always can work good. And even in my own adversity of losing my late husband, mom, and dad all in a short amount of time, I've seen God's faithfulness in the last 14 years and it is the very thing 15 years I, I've seen his faithfulness and it's in that I can offer people hope here in Uvalde Graham Cook and this is number four says what God allows in his wisdom God allows in his wisdom what he could easily prevent in his power and when I heard that, I had, I had to really ponder that and chew on it for a while. But I've come to realize we just don't have God's wisdom many times in the bigger picture, but He does. I think our crisis and our opportunity are many times about discipline. A discipline of our mind, and this is a big challenge, and how are we going to look at it? And that's why I think this lesson is important. Why? Because it determines if we are anxious or resting in God's love through our challenge and our crisis. And I want you to know today, if you don't 
listen to anything else. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. Many times when adversity happens, crisis happens, big, little, whatever, we can feel like, well, God must not love me. He must have forgotten about me. He must not see me. He's mean today. <laughs> you know, we can have just a negative perception. But number five in your notes, you have a God-given right to overcome. Overcome is the word that goes in that blank. Overcome in any situation when you partner with God instead of being overcome by your circumstances. It's easy to be overcome by our circumstances if we're not careful. And I want to give you 2 Corinthians 2.14. I love this passage. <clears throat> it says, Thanks be to God who always leads us to triumph in Christ. Thanks be to God who always leads us to triumph in Christ. And when I read that, you know what stuck out to me is he leads I need to follow. And I realized in different times in my life that I hadn't been great at following. Lord, how are you going to lead me to triumph? Lord, I need you to show me how to triumph, how to overcome. And the word overcome means to get the better of a situation. God leads. You and I have a choice to follow. So my question is, in your crisis... Have you ever looked at it from, am I really following the Lord in this? Am I seeking Him? And am I asking Him to change my thoughts? Because I believe that we have. He's given us an ability to overcome instead of being overwhelmed by our circumstances. And too many times in life we are intimidated by our circumstances. And when we're intimidated by our circumstances, we are, stay in a state of anxiety, whining, complaining, and self-pity. Now, I know I might be the only one here today that's ever whined or complained <laughs> or had self-pity or battled anxiety in situations. And that's what happens when we make our problem bigger than God. And many times the Lord is saying, magnify me. Mag look to me. Magnify me. The enemy loves it when he can intimidate us and make us feel like life is always going to be hard. Are you always going to have something that challenges you? Yeah, that's life here on earth. The perfect will be when we get to heaven. But right now, we're going to have things to contend with. We just are. The enemy loves to intimidate us and to make us feel like things will never change. And they'll always be like that. I remember when my late husband and I went through just a real battle in our marriage. And it seemed like to last for it lasted forever. And then God was putting our hearts back together. But many times I had to go to the Lord and say, God, I need your perspective of this man. I need your perspective of my marriage. 
I need your vision for what you want to do in us. And it took time, but I can tell you that what God did was a wonderful thing in healing us and bringing us through some really tough waters in our marriage. But it's so easy to get bogged down in life and in our circumstances unless we make God bigger and look to Him in that. Number six. Number six in your note-taking. Focus on the negative breeds fear. Fear goes in that blank. Anxiety and overwhelming feelings. And these are not from God. Bible tells us be anxious for nothing. Do you know that it says 360 something times, I think it's 365, do not fear in the Bible. Do you know it says that? It says that. And those overwhelming feelings are not from God. And this distracts us from our personal growth. It robs us of peace and joy. And we can become self-centered when that happens. Focus on the negative. When we focus on the negative, we empower fear and anxiety. And these are draining. Some of you are exhausted because you've been entertaining Fear, anxiety, and overwhelming feelings. And, you know, for half of my life, um, I guess it was in my, my 30s that God began to deal with fear in my life. But over half of my life, when I think about that, over half of my life, I was gripped by fear. I had so many different fears. And that's a whole different lesson. You can find it on the podcast but there were so many fears that I battled, and I thought that was I thought that was normal because it was the home I grew up in. I can see now that I grew up in a very fear-based home, and some of you have had the same. And yet God has a better way, and I'm so grateful for different things that He put His finger on at different times and said, "Hey, I want to take that for you." You know, so many times I think God is up there. And I was thinking back and reflecting as I was preparing this lesson of just different adversity I'd been through. And it was like I had this picture. And it was of God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And they were looking down. And as I was just talking to the Lord just about current, some current things that I'm dealing with, it was like I just had them a picture of them of times past where they were up there looking and saying, Yeah, this is tough, but you know, Kathleen can do it. We're with her. We're cheering her on. And it was like the three of them were having this conversation, and I was getting to watch it. And then one of them was like, yeah, but think of how she's going to use this 15 years down the road, 20 years down the road. Think of how those she's going to help. Oh, yeah, I'm excited about that. So many times we don't get God's vision, and he doesn't show us. But that's where the trust and looking to Him, I think, becomes so important. Because they're just crisis, you know, there can just be one crisis after another at times. I remember overseeing care for um, my um, husband's father. 
and um, and his wife and I had stepped in to help because uh, some of you know my father-in-law was Johnny Ramby and I was overseeing care for him and dealing with a lot and trying to navigate that in, in Uvalde. I was very familiar with resources and stuff in Kerrville, but I was learning that here. And right in the middle of that, um, my husband's mother calls and her husband has pancreatic cancer and is in San Antonio. And there was another battle real quick. And I remember thinking, oh, wow, you know, just feeling so torn between family that needed us both places. And many times we can have just a crisis after crisis. But here's what the Bible says. 1 John 5 verse 4 says, Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. Who is the one who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Do you believe, how many of you here believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Raise your hand. Okay. Well, right there, it tells us you have a God-given right to overcome. I'm not making this up. It's in the Bible. <laughs> Highlight that scripture because right there, that's a powerful scripture for whatever you are facing. And the scripture says, as children of God, overcoming power resides within us. Just like my kids have my DNA. Because I was their mama, I birthed them. There's the good and there's the, the bad. Um, but that DNA that God has because we're children of God is in us. And maybe you've said, I just can't win or with my luck, I'll never get anywhere. Um, you can always win when you partner with God. The key is partnering with him. You might write that down. I don't know that there's a place for that, but write that down. The key to overcoming is partnering with God. And number seven, the definition of overcoming from the dictionary is to get the better of or the victory over. That's what that word means when you look it up. That's why you have, 1 John 5, 4 is why you have a God-given right to overcome. And that means to get the better of the situation. And then John 16, 33 says, In the world, you'll have tribulation. But take courage. I have overcome the world. I love that passage. In the world, you're going to have trouble. Jesus knew that. He knew that. Of course, I read that and I was like, Okay, take courage. Okay, wait a minute. Jesus, you left me here. <laughs> yeah, he did. He's left you and me here to occupy and to tell the world around us of the hope we have, of the overcoming power we have, of the peace that we have, the God-given right to walk in peace. And that's when we can use that word practice. You don't have to have it all together, but I do want to strongly encourage you and admonish you to keep practicing. Number eight in your notes, tribulation is translated pressure. Jesus knew we would have pressure here on earth. And yes, this world brings plenty of pressure. Jesus says we're going to have trouble, but not to stress about it because his power 
in us will help us make a profit from any trouble. But the key, folks, is partnering with him in practicing. And number nine in your notes. God is too good to let us encounter problems without providing a provision. And I've discovered that many times in life, it's more about finding the provision God has for us in tribulation instead of fixing the problem. I think many times the Lord is just wanting us to walk with Him to find the provision. It's kind of like playing, I think, sometimes hide-and-go-seek. You know, you're looking, is it here? No. Is it here? No. Is it here? No. Many times we just want our problem fixed, but it's about the journey of walking with God. You know, there was the time that, um, you know, there's a provision for every problem. And I remember my dad was diagnosed with, um, we had been in the hospital three days. The doctor finally came in and said, I've got answers for you. Mr. Jones, you have metastatic bone cancer, and you've got three months to live. And I'm standing there trying to wrap my head around that. And because my late husband hadn't been gone very long, I've had mom with a full-time caregiver at home. And I went to go and uh, leave the hospital that night. I'd been there 15 hours. It had been a very long day. I left and drove home, had a good visit with my mama, and got a call at 7 o'clock the next morning from the caregiver, and she said, Kathleen, you need to get over here. It's your mom. And in my heart, as I drove over there, it was like I just knew mom was gone, and she was. And then I had to go tell my dad in the hospital, who had just gotten bad news, that his wife of 53 years was gone. And so looking to the Lord for the strength that I needed. And Stephen and I were married at the time, but guess what? He wasn't in town. <laughs> Isn't that the way it happens, you know? Uh, I mean, he was, he was over five hours away. And, but there was a provision there, and there was grace. The grace of God was there, but I had to draw on it. I had to reach for it. I had to remind myself, Lord, you never leave me or forsake me. You are with me, and you're going to help me walk through this and give me the strength and grace that I need in this. Psalm 73, 23 tells us this. It says in Psalm 73, 23, Nevertheless, I am with you. I hold you by the right hand. And then Psalm 118, verses 6 and 7 says, the Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. Everybody say that right now. The Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? The Lord is with me. He is my helper. Let's say that. The Lord is with me. He is my helper. I look in triumph on my enemies. Say that with me. I look in triumph on my enemies. And that's Psalm 118, 6 and 7. That's what the Bible says to you and to me today. 
1 John 4, 4 says, You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one that's in the world. You have, when you have invited Jesus into your heart, you have the power of God in your life. You have that power. It tells us that right there. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who's in you is greater than he who's in the world. It's about us magnifying the power of God to get through a circumstance, the power of God to deal with finances that we may not have money for, the power of God to help help in a, in a relationship that's difficult or trying, the power of God to get through a loss. The power of God, if you've invited Christ into your heart, that power resides within you. And if you have not invited him into your heart, I would love to pray that prayer with you today. Number 10, nothing is greater than the power of God in us to overcome. Overcome is number 10 in any situation. You and I never have to settle for defeat. The power to overcome is greater than anything that comes against us. Now that is good news. That's good news, folks. And many times in our crisis, like I said, it's about disciplining our mind. How are we going to look at it? And so I want to give you some practical applications. Number one, and I think this is in your, in your notes, uh, so you may not have to write it down. <clears throat> Let me double check that. I want to tell you something. Yes, it is in your study questions. It is in your study questions. But number one, ask God for his thoughts. That's number one. You got a crisis? Ask God, Lord, how do you see this situation? How do you see me overcoming in this situation? And many times, that's spending time with him. Ask God for his thoughts. That's Isaiah 55. My thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways. Many times the Lord wants to change our ways of handling things. But that's number one. You know, 2 Kings 6, 16 and 17 is a prime example. And I love this story in the Bible. Elijah, Elijah, um, Elijah saw as God saw. And there was this, this battle that was going on. And so in Kings 15, 2 Kings 15, 6, 15, it says, and I'm going to just read this. When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early that morning, it was the servant's job to go scout. An army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. And he said, oh, no, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked Elijah. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those that are with us are more than those that are with them. That's what the Lord has to say to you and me. The power with me. Elijah saw as God saw in that situation. And Elijah prayed. He prayed for his friend. He, he prayed for him. He didn't scold him. He said, open. The, 
his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. And then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked, and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elijah. In the, I got chills just reading that. Isn't that powerful? And I love how the Lord, Elijah saw as God saw, but he also helped his friend. He also helped him to see, and the man saw. And that, that's a beautiful passage. The number two, when we have a crisis, I think is give him permission to change me and my thoughts. Give God permission to change you and your thoughts. And many times I've had to say, God, change my thinking. In marriage, this is a great prayer. Maybe you and your spouse don't see eye to eye. One of the best things you can pray is, God, change, change his heart or mine. You know, God, change me or God, change her. Because that puts you in a win-win situation. Somebody's going to change. But we have to be willing to change. And that can apply to anything in life. Change my thinking. Change my thinking. I saw that work with one of my children. One of my children was engaged. And my late husband and I just didn't feel like, you know, would have been a great spouse, but we didn't feel like it was the best. Um, and we prayed. That's what we prayed is, Lord, change our heart or change our child's heart. Change our heart, change our child, change somebody because we could all be family. And I will say God changed our child's heart. And so that's powerful. Change my thoughts, Lord, or change theirs. Number three, focus on God and set him before you. Our focus is so important. You know, we, um, I dove hunt. I'm learning to dove hunt. I'm practicing dove hunting. Maybe that's a better way to say that. Occasionally I hit something. But you got to focus. You got to look if you want to hit the mark. Focus on God and set Him before you. And it tells us that in Psalm 37, verse 23 and 24. The Lord makes firm the steps of the one who delights in Him. Though he may stumble, he will not fall, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. The Lord upholds him. We have to look to the Lord. We have to focus on him and take one step at a time. One step at a time. So only look at the next step you need to take. Many times we get overwhelmed in our crisis because we're trying to look too far ahead. We just need to look, Lord, what is the next step I need to take? in this. Don't try to figure it all out. Just walk with him. Just walk with him. Oftentimes we want to see how it's all going to walk out. And God wants us, guess what, to walk in faith. Have you heard that word in the Bible? Walk by faith. And that's what we have to do. And many times music can help me when I'm struggling in a crisis. Music, Christian radio, Christian listening to something, a playlist that I have can help me refocus, remind me of God's word. And really, when my late husband was battling cancer, 
Walking the halls of MD Anderson, keeping a song in my heart is how I got through. Because if I looked at all that there was to do in the long days we had, I remember one night they said, okay, you need to be um, here at the hospital at 1115 for your MRI. And this was like 12 noon. And I said, 1115? The lady looked at me and said, yes. I said, tonight? She's like, yeah. They work round the clock there. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I got to drive in downtown Houston, you know, at night. But that's how quick they moved. They moved there. And, um, but I had to look at just one step at a time and keeping that song in my heart, keeping a song in my heart. There was a song, and the song was, I believe always, always, my Savior never fails, even when all hope is gone. God's still the same, and He remains. He is with us all days, always, and all days. And that's what kept me grounded. Get a song in your heart. It's going to help you. It can be just, Jesus loves me, this I know. It can be something simple. Um, but, you know, that's how you finish any race. I've done a half marathon. I've walked, run it. I'm not a, not a I can't run anymore. But you have to look at just one step at a time. That's how you get through. I couldn't look at, oh my word, I got to go 13 miles because that just seems like too much. And prior to that, I hadn't gone that far, but there was something about just looking at one step at a time. It's an intense discipline to live above your feelings. And many times a crisis can try to make us feel overwhelmed instead of, we have a God-given right to overcome. Um, it's an act of our will to keep our eyes on Jesus. So don't let fear grip. Make God bigger than your problems. Psalm 16, verse 8. This was a passage that I found, um, found a number of years when my mom was sick. And it says, I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken or moved. That's Psalm 16, verse 8. Psalm 16, verse 8. And it says in 2 Chronicles 20, verse 12, For we have no power against this vast army that has come against us. We know not what to do, but our eyes are on you. And many times, you know, it's like the Lord is just wanting us to focus on Him. So how do we do that? It's your choice in what you're going to magnify in your crisis. And you get to choose. And number four, begin to thank God. You know, I heard a phrase years ago that overcoming any problem begins with a thankful heart. And when I heard it, I had to really stop and think about that. I was like, well, I don't know about that. I had to really think about it. But those words were true. When we have a grateful heart, when we can look for what we have to be thankful for in our adverse circumstance, it can help us focus on God. Many times, I remember walking in the halls of MD Anderson and thinking, well, thank you, Lord, that Joe's able to walk with me. And he's not in a wheelchair. That time did come. 
But at the beginning, that was something I could be thankful for because there were plenty of people that were pushing loved ones around in wheelchairs. You know, I saw children there suffering. It was heartbreaking. And I was like, Lord, thank you. Thank you that, you know, thank you that you're with me. Thank you that my kids are healthy. Um, and then thanking him that I got to this month or the next month. Or the next month when we're thankful it gives us and brings can bring peace to our hearts thanksgiving giving thanks and we all have things we can think about that we can be thankful for it's again a discipline what can we be thankful for just you know going through through uh, many of you know I had surgery in September and I was moving forward slowly and then I had an allergic reaction to the shot that was in my other knee and it was a setback but I had to just think okay Lord you brought me this far thank you that you brought me this far thank you that they were able to fix my leg you know thank you that you've got strength I may not ever get to where I was before but that's okay as long as I'm moving the right direction but we always have something to be thankful for. And number five in your notes of overcoming, breathe. To breathe is a discipline. To take a deep breath. I want everybody to just take a deep breath right now and just slowly and exhale. Let's take another one, that felt good. And it's just like in those of you that have given birth, in childbirth, what do they tell you to do? To breathe. They tell you to breathe because it's going to help you get through something that can be difficult. And it keeps you calm and it sends a message to your brain and helps you think clearly. So times of crisis are times we get to know God more intimately and we get to Lean in and look to his thoughts. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you're not up there shaking your hands and wringing your hands and wondering what on earth we're going to do in the crisis that each person listening is facing. God, you have a plan and you have the wisdom for us to overcome. So help us to fix our eyes on you. Help us to lean on you. Help us to walk with you. Help us to practice our peace. And Lord, help us to magnify you over our problem. Thank you for giving us Jesus that gives us overcoming power. And Lord, remind us continually, remind each listener that the power of God, when we've invited Christ into our heart, resides within us. So I pray for courage to be strengthened, and courage to rise up in each listener right now. Lord, thank you for being so good and for being with us. Lord, pour your love over each listener. Let them feel your presence and let hope arise. In Jesus' name, amen.